How are we doing, everybody? This is your host, Christian Omar, a.k.a. The Golden Boy, no Oscar de la Hoya. And you are a special guest today because this is our first episode ever. So welcome to the Offendi MMA podcast. And over here, we highlight the world of MMA, recent events, and breaking news. And we have some stuff we need to talk about. UFC 260 was this last weekend. And what can you say? What can you say to describe a card like this? Fireworks. It was amazing. Um, I think there was only 10 fights. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, they they were all very, very, very good fights. Proper scraps. And uh, we're going to highlight some of them today. We're going to start at the prelims with uh, Modestus Bukalkis and uh, Michel Olix. I'm not even going to try to finish the rest of that. So uh, Olix wins a decision, a, a split decision, um, having a, a f- nice, strong finishing round. A, uh, in our right first round, and uh, and in the second, I would I would say that round was uh, Bacalcus. So um, what we're seeing here is, you know, I do not know uh, Modestas Bacalcus um, too much. I've heard the name commonly, um, so I don't know if this young fighter is uh, on a hype train. If there's a narrative and agenda for him, but it, it really showed in the commentary. You could see that um, there was an expectation for Modestas and uh, Mikal. Came in there and totally broke that up. Um, yeah, good win. I see a lot of people not uh, agreeing with it. But Bakowskis, if he's on that road to glory, then he will come back. He will reassess the things that made him lose. And um, and uh, his next fight should be nice. But uh, Mikhail Alexis won. Um, and yeah, you know, a split decision. Not bad. He looked nice in that third round. He looked okay in the second. So I, I'm going to assume he's one of those fighters that has to turn up. I'm For the most part, I'm sure Bukowskis, uh had control in the first. And uh, and even in the second, he did. And something, something uh, switched in the third. And I don't know if you attribute that to uh, Bukowskis slowing down. I don't know. But he did look uh, kind of fatigued. He looked a little, a little worn out. So great fight. Good win. For uh, Mikhail Olix, I'm not going to even try to finish the name. We move on to Gooden and Nurmagomedov. Gooden looked very good in the beginning. No joke. That's not a play on his name. Good, Gooden. He looked good out the gate. And honestly, I was thinking, wow, we might experience upset here. He was uh, he was hitting Nurmagomedov with that jab very, very nicely. Um, but the inherent skill uh, that comes with anybody from the Nurmagomedov family... Uh, yeah, it's a little too much, especially when you have Khabib in your corner. So Nurmagomedov got the job done with a unanimous decision. Um, he looked good. He looked good in the aspects of the fight that he needed to. Uh, strong pressure. Uh, I remember there was one time where he fired off the hands, and I was surprised. I was surprised. So, um, yeah, and very strong grappling basis, obviously. Um, Nurmagomedov looked good. He he has a high uh, standard to follow. Someone with Khabib being in his corner, um, the 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 part of the world he comes from. So, very good win for Nurmagomedov. I would like to see those hands get a little bit more polished. But other than that, he looked good out there. And Gooden is not no slouch. You know, there there was a few shots from Gooden that probably would have KO'd lesser men. Sincerely, so Nurmagomedov looked very good, getting a unanimous decision. 
um, win. Yeah, what more can you say? So, good stuff right there. Uh, then we go to Minifield and Charant. Um, I'm, I think I'm, I think Minifield had an opponent previous towards this booking for the same card, and the opponent dropped out, so Charant was a um, late replacement for the card. And it ends with Minifield in the first round catching a submission. Avon flew. So very nice. When Minifield put Sharon on the cage, he didn't know he didn't look like he knew what he was doing. You know, uh and then Minifield got on top and started moving. You know, you just had a you just had an idea that you knew what was going to happen. Um so yeah, Minifield was moving beautiful on the ground. Um Sharon tried to uh you know, tried to combat what what Minifield was doing, and that in itself opened up the Von Flu opportunity, which Minifield capitalized on. He looked good. Uh, first round as well, he looked good. Um, they might want to reschedule the opponent that they already had. You know, that would be a good fight. I don't know where Minifield goes from here, though. So very nice, very nice work. And as we move, uh, you know, up into the main card, we get... Kamaworthy versus uh Malarkey. Um and a lot of people had Worthy winning. Um you know, even myself when I looked at it from uh from a few aspects, I was thinking, you know, Worthy is he appears to be the longer guy and he has the power. Um if he can keep Malarkey away from him, then this is going to be a done deal. But Malarkey showed great he 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 put the game all together. You know, Malarkey put the game all together. That's exactly what he did. Whereas I'm sitting here describing Worthy with the longer reach and power at the end of the punch, you have to assume that's kind of all that he offers um, besides a nice slow kick. Um, and Malarkey just went in there and did everything perfectly. He really did. Uh, you can tell he had a game plan. You can tell he didn't get um, unsettled uh, with uh, going forward the game plan. And it happened. Um, when Malarkey KO'd this guy on round one, I was fairly surprised. Granted, I always give these underdogs a nice look. You know, I I figured the underdog might be able to work. You can never you can never put too much in the in the bets. But um, yeah, Malarkey looked great. The kid looked on fire. Um, and no one does that to Worthy like that. No one does that to Worthy like that. You know, so uh, he looked good. Get the guy someone else uh, next time, uh, as soon as he wants to fight again. Because, man, that had me jumping out the seat. You know, I don't know if you guys feel that. But, you know, when Malarkey uh, finished Worthy, wow, that's an upset. And it was a nice one. It was very nice to see. So, um, good stuff, Malarkey. Round one, KO over Kama Worthy. Next, we head into Miranda Maverick versus uh, Jillian Robertson. Um, You know, Maverick is looking... Very, very well-rounded. Very, very well-rounded. Um, she's definitely champion tier. I would say with more development, just a little bit, you know. I'm pretty sure she was already a champion in, an, in uh, another organization before coming to the UFC. But um, she looked good. She looked really, really good. Especially someone in, in uh, Robertson. You know, when this fight was initially announced, I looked at Maverick and I'm like, look, that's one well-rounded kid, right? But let's say that she tries to take Robertson to the ground. Virtually, Robertson has a million subs. 
off her back. I mean, she's a, she's sneaky. Robertson is is very very nice with with her jujitsu game. Um, just a just a great grappler all around, and uh, you can kind of see in the fight that there was a huge difference between the hands. You know, Robertson. I, I don't I don't ever think of Jillian Robertson as oh she's supposed to have good hands. You know, I just expect immaculate jiu-jitsu. But um you can tell that she kinda now in her own regard, you can tell Robertson had worked on her hands, but Maverick, there was just something different. Um she looked great. I, I no, I do not think Jillian Robertson is on the decline at all. You know, I think Jillian Robertson can still get in there with uh some of the girls in the top ten and and, and do something. But Maverick she looked great. She looked great for a unanimous decision where she dominated Robertson. Um, and she had moments in every round. Um, and don't get me wrong, I don't. but I'm thinking of the fight right now. I, I cannot really remember too many um, parts of the fight where Miranda Maverick was in serious trouble. You know, maybe there was a few submission attempts, but other than that, she looked great. Uh, she called out uh, uh, Shevchenko's sister. Um, next, she said she would like a, a go at that, and I think that's a very winnable fight for her. I would be inclined to say that Maverick is the favorite in that fight. Um, but yeah, you know, if she can beat Shevchenko's sister, maybe get another fight in after that, then she's definitely ready. I would say she's definitely ready to uh, contend for for the world title. Um, she looked good. If if if. If I'm looking at Miranda Maverick's game, there's not too there's not too much wrong with it. Solid, solid grappling basis. She can hit subs. Nice hands. She looked nice with the hands. So if anything, I would add you know some movement to her. Make sure that she moves a little bit more. She did seem a little bit stiff, and maybe let's utilize a, a, a low kick or sharpen them hands up a little bit. She she did stay a little too um. She 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 didn't move around enough. She did not move around enough. So with so Miranda Maverick, I would just say, shit. She moves around a little bit more. She 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 cleans up the game just a little bit because she looks elite, world class tier, and she's there. She's definitely there, knocking down on the belt. So great win for Miranda Maverick. Would love to see what happens next for her. I think that Shevchenko sister fight is good. Um and and then Jillian Robertson. Do whatever with her because she's always going to be a dog. I feel like Jillian Robertson has it in her to lose to a good prospect contender and Miranda Maverick and be like, okay, I can still take out some, 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 some good level fighters. So yeah, exciting to see where they both go. Great fight. Okay, now we get into Sean O'Malley and uh, Thomas Almeida. Great fight. Um, I would say that it didn't deliver, though, to what I expected. It did not deliver to what I expected. Because what I expected off that Cheeto Vera fight was a competitive Thomas Almeida. And Sean O'Malley is a very, very smart young man. You can tell that. I don't I don't know how long he's been doing this stuff. But you can definitely tell that he's starting to uh, find his rhythm, starting to find out what he needs to do right in these situations. I'm talking about the split instance of a second. He knew what to do. Um, see, what I expected from Thomas Almeida was he's a Muay Thai guy. You know, go in there. Let's eat up that low that low lead leg. Let's follow a Cheeto Vera-esque game plan. And then with the combinations, he has this big, long body. Let's let's touch O'Malley in the body. 
Let's 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 keep it downstairs at the legs and the body, and then you know, uh, one one hit will just touch him upstairs and take him out. You know, because um, Thomas Almeida is not gonna hit any flying knees or crazy stuff like that against someone like O'Malley. Um, so and when when Thomas Almeida kicked O'Malley in the legs a few times, I was really thinking, wow, that kid does that kid must have a bone deficiency or something because um, there was a few times. And this Thomas Almeida fight where Sean O'Malley got kicked in the leg and he and he grabbed his shorts looking like he was readjusting his cup. But really, that's just uh, that's just that's just him readjusting himself, gets slapped in the leg like that. So powerful, so low that slaps that that calf back. You're going to need a minute to uh, to get your wits back to to, to figure out what you're going to do next. So that was still an alarming. That's still alarming to me. That's still alarming that that's how Sean O'Malley reacts to leg kicks that put him in a compromised position that he just backs up and grabs his his jock strap. You know, um, Thomas Almeida could have definitely capitalized a few times that he had O'Malley on that cage. But let's talk about what O'Malley did right. First off. I remember when Thomas Almeida threw the first leg kick of the fight, and I seen that. I was like, oh, here we go right here. Thomas Almeida has a game plan. But sure enough, so did Sean. Fires back with, a, with I would say, an even more devastating leg kick. That spun Almeida all around. Spun him. So, yeah, there was some uh, there was some revenge for Marlon Chido Vera in that kick. Um, no doubt at all. Um Sean looked so, so good, though. I'm telling you. Um, and there's a few things about his style and his character that plays this detriment that octagon. But at the end of the day, it's still entertainment. Um, wow. Like, um, he did, like, two two spinning wheel kicks in a row. Um, or were they hooks? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But they looked they looked good. They looked fucking good. Back-to-back, uh, back, it looked like I was playing USC 4 and spamming the controls. Um, but yes, Sean looked great. Uh, one thing I really loved was he was uh, just that that right hand right through the middle. Right through the middle. Um, you know, what I say now when I was watching it real time, it looked like he was rushing it. It looked like there was something he was rushing. It really felt like he was trying to get in and get out. And I can understand that. I can respect that. You know, you're there for the money, not for the brain damage. You know, let's let's get in here and let's get out. Um, so but but it was kind of frustrating watching it live, watching Sean try to you can evidently see what he was trying to do. I mean, like I said earlier, it can it can go back to his character and his fighting style. Um, you know, we've heard all fight week. Oh, I'm looking for the knockout. I want to I want something that goes viral. Well, sure enough, he did get something that goes viral. Um, but let's talk about what led up to that moment. Right. Beautiful leg kicks, beautiful low leg kicks. Um, the teep to the body, that's straight right down the middle, and uh, and the spinning stuff that you couldn't really see. Uh, you know, he looked good. He looked really good. Um, you know, he's typically a longer ca- countering kind of guy, but you know, he had some short counters. Um, you know, if we talk about the. Uh, the sequence that led to Almeida being knocked out, it's a short, short punch from O'Malley. Um, and I don't know if it's a counter. It, it looks like a counter, but it's just a short, short punch. And it just, he just catches him, and Thomas Almeida rolls back like, like, like once or twice. You know, rolls back from the, from the sheer power of this short punch. Um, and, you know, 
Sean earlier in the fight, not capitalizing on when his was, opponent was hurt, that that let the fight keep going. You know, he had there was a moment in the first round where he absolutely rocked Thomas Almeida beautifully and dropped him, and Thomas was definitely compromised. And Sean puts his hands up like the fight is over, but sure enough, the refs and the commentators, you know, they're like, no, this fight is not over. And then for the pursuit of the fight, um, you know, uh. Joe Rogan and everyone in the commentator booth is giving him hell like, yo, he should have finished the fight. He'll learn from that. And granted, in the same fight, he did. This kid adapts quick. Um, he learned after the Cheeto fight how to combat the low leg kick. He learned mid-fight how to finish the fight and how important that is. Um, now, that has been a problem of his, though, um, dating back to the Jose fight uh, and... Um, and the Andre's uh, Succumtach fight or whatever, uh, you know, there was moments there where he should have finished the compromised opponent and he didn't do it. So at the end of this, at the end of the fight, the, the ending sequence catches Almeida with the short, short punch. Almeida rolls back. Sugar is just sitting there looking at this half dead man on the ground, assuming that he is KO'd. His mind is rattled. The ref is looking at Sean like, buddy, he is not done yet. And, uh, and then Sean O'Malley to proceeds to lay down, I do not know what you would call it, uh, like death. Like he just drops one of those H-bombs. You know, yeah, that's the perfect word for it. Uh, you know, when someone's already already obviously out and you pursue, that's what Sean O'Malley did. And he got his knockout. He got exactly what he wanted. And uh, I heard that through the screen, man. I felt that. I seen Almeida's body just go limp. Um, now, there's something that we have to talk about, though. Sean O'Malley looked great. He really looked like I was playing UFC 4 and I was having fun. Um, there was an essence as well. There was a feeling. Just the way that he looked in the cage, there was a there was a feeling there. And and anyone who watched it live, or you can rewatch the fight still, there's a feeling when you watch that kind of guy compete. Um, there's an aura. You know, this long, ranky, lanky uh, striker at 135. Um, and, he's, and he's hitting you from multiple angles. Uh... What I'm going to say here, though, is Thomas Almeida was on a three-fight lose streak, and um, we commonly associate Thomas Almeida with the effects of hard sparring and how that can um, may possibly screw over a fighter later in their career. You know, so Thomas Almeida is not the, the chopping block, the measuring stick for how good Sean O'Malley is. This is a good win. But this is a win that he's getting off a off a loss to Cheeto Vera. This is a win to build back his confidence. Um, so now next, whatever the UFC decides to do, they have to make sure it's a dignified opponent where Sean O'Malley can claim legitimacy to these skills. Because, you know, anyone can argue for the sake of it, oh, it's still Thomas Almeida. It's still the guy that went on that streak and only lost to Cody Garbrandt and, and some elite talent. And I agree with you. But... um. The man is still on the decline. Who knows if he'll even be in the UFC after this fight with Sean? You know, for Sean O'Malley, there's a lot of good um there's a lot of good matchups. The Barcelona's fight ain't happening. You know, that would be a great fight. Two long uh lanky guys, you know what I mean? That would be a great fight. There's talks of Dominic Cruz. I think Cruz might shut him out with his wrestling. Um or Sean could catch him at the end of a long, long punch. I mean, it's not impossible. But, you know, for Sean O'Malley, I don't think a, I don't think a Marlon Chito Vera rematch is issued either. I think that's a waste of time. You know, if I'm Sean O'Malley, I'm going to go after someone that... Uh, it's not going to be a scrap, but it's going to be a tough fight. 
Like, that's what Sean O'Malley has to do. He has to go get a fight that people ain't going to say, oh, you chose that. You picked that. You picked someone that was old and deteriorating. Like, if Sean O'Malley fought a Frankie Edgar. Now, granted, I think Frankie Edgar might hit him with the Yair Rodriguez, you know what I mean? Just take him down and um, punish him. Show him that, you know, you're not you're not the same level of uh, uh, grappling comprehensive. You know, you don't know. And uh, he could do exactly what he did to um, Yair Rodriguez, but... There's a lot of good fights for Sean O'Malley. There really is. And I can, I'm can. i very, very excited to see what happens. You know, Casey Kenny just, just fought Dominic Cruz, got off a split decision. And then um, there's, there's, there's a... Uh, I might have to look at the rankings. There's another young man, uh, Nathaniel Wood. You know, that's a good fight. You know, those are some good fights for Sean. Um, I don't think he has any business off beating Thomas Almeida facing anyone in the top 10. I think that he would lose horribly to someone like um, Cody Garbrandt or uh, a TJ Dillashaw. The kind of fights that he's called for. That's just ludicrous to me. He needs to take it slow. Because as I'm saying, my whole point here is he did good. He looked good. But it still took him three and a half rounds to finish a declining Thomas Almeida. So, big fan of Sean. He looked good. He looked great. That striking diversity, it was very beautiful. It was very beautiful to see someone so effortlessly switch into multiple attacks. So as far as aesthetics, the look of fighting, the feel of fighting, the what 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 do people think of when they think of fighting, Sean O'Malley perfectly encompassed that Saturday night. I hope that he can go forward and continue to encompass that because he's an anomaly for the sport. And it's also very good to see him... Um, have great confidence after the Marlon Chito Vera stuff. Uh, he looked good. Let's hope that he can continue to move on. And Almeida, I do not think we will be seeing much more of him in the promotion. Now, with that being said, let's talk about another fight where the loser, his fate, has probably been um, chosen. In the co-main event, we have um, Vicente Luque versus Tyron Woodley. What can you say about this fight? Well, let's start. What can you say about this fight that you can't typically say about a lot of Woodley's fights? Tyron Woodley stepped on the gas. He pressed that button. Um, I remember listening to a lot of the media day interviews and stuff, Woodley's interviews, and um, hearing how Woodley was talking about how he's, he's motivated again. He's realized he has nothing to prove. You know, in my opinion, I was like, look, I want Tyron to win. I want him to have this resurgence, but it sounds like he's hyping himself up. It sounds like he's psyching himself out. Not at all. Not at all. Tyron Woodley believed firmly in what he was saying, and he stood on it. You know, Tyron went out there, and I was just so surprised. I mean, out the gate, it looked like he was trying to replicate a Jorge Masvidal flying knee. He 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 comes out with a Tyron Woodley five-second uh, uh, overhand right, you know. Um, and this is one of those moments where I, where I think of this shit is like a video game. It was like a video game. Um, you know, Woodley just runs out there overhand, right? And Vicente instantly clinches with him. Right there, I was like, okay, Vicente, Vicente is here. You know, it's not like Tyron's, it's not like we're about to just see Tyron go do some immaculate stuff and pull back the age of time. You know, Vicente Luque was here. He was ready. Um, there was a there was so many, so many, so many good moments in that fight. So where do we begin? Let's start. Tyron Woodley rocks Vicente Luque a few times with some overhand rights. Woo! Um... The overhand right, Tyron Woodley's most infamous. It might even be his only skill. Now that I think about it, I mean, I, I mean, I've never seen Woodley jab. Have you? No, I'm just playing. But um, 
He looked great. Uh, a few of those overhand rights, they really caught Luke, and they really had him hurt. They really, really had him hurt. And the entire time that I'm watching this, I'm thinking, wow, Vicente Luque has a jaw on him because his chin is great. Because normal guys, they get hit by that, they ain't getting up. They, they's not getting up. I truthfully, I truthfully believe that. You know, people like to attribute, attribute the age, slowing down. I understand that. I really do. You know, it might, it might labor tiring a little bit more than back in the day. Um, and, he, and apparently he also has arthritis in the right hand. That, that's a horrible combination. But, um, wow, you cannot deny that he had Vicente hurt a few times. He had him compromised. But then, you know, uh, Tyron becomes predictable in the attack, doesn't set it up with anything, um, doesn't add a variety, of, a variety of striking. So Vicente Luque sees this pattern, and he goes, okay, when Woodley goes for the next overhand right and telegraphs, or uppercut, or whatever it is, you know, whatever, whatever Willie's about to decide to telegraph, because that's how he fights, a burst of energy, an explosion, that's what we know Tyron Woodley for, and he telegraphs himself, he's, he super telegraphed himself, though, this, this, uh, this last fight, because he was very comfortable, he, he had confidence in what he was doing, he didn't say, he didn't feel a need to set it up, he just relied on the power, and the, and the skill, and the, and the, and the explosion factor, um, and, uh, you know, that really caught him. That really caught him. Vicente seen it coming, um, and, he, and he knew what he was going to do. Okay, with that explosion right there, I'm going to take full advantage of it and crack him. And I'm going to tell you this. I've seen Tyron Woodley after the Kamaru Usman fight. I saw I saw Woodley after the Burns fight. i seen Woodley after the Kobe Covington fight. And none of those fights was except in the Gilbert Burns fight. I mean, uh where 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 Gilbert rocked Tyron like in the first round. But other than that, you know, there's not a lot of fights where you see Tyron Woodley lose the legs under him and look like a baby deer about to fall into traffic. I mean seriously, when I seen Tyron Woodley's legs go limp and uh and that and that look in his face, I could tell that the distress was at the highest and this fight was about to be over. Um Vicente Luque, man. He, he he did a great job of putting Woodley on the cage towards the finishing sequence. Uh, Woodley threw an ill-advised knee that, he, that only further messed up his momentum and Luque capitalized on. Um, you know, a lot of stuff was going on in this fight. A lot of stuff. and uh, But one thing I really want to say is Vicente Luque has some power, bro. Vicente Luque has some power. You know, not only does he catch Tyron in the middle of some movement, so that is going to mess up Tyron a lot because the equilibrium, the balance is off. But um, Vicente Luque has the confidence in his shots. He has the confidence to pick you apart. Vicente Luque has the confidence in his chin to sit there and bang with you and still take you out after absorbing your best shots. So he looked insane. On the realest level, Vicente Luque looked scary. He looked intimidating. Um, there's a clip of him talking to Kamaru Usman after the fight. And, uh, you know, you have to assume with a dominating force like Usman, it's going to be a minute until someone can legitimately oppose him. But who knows? Maybe that guy is Vicente Luque. Also, let's talk about what uh, the le- what led up to the ultimate finish of the fight. Uh, Tyron is on wobbly legs. He's obviously compromised and rocked. Luque takes advantage of this. Um... 
uh they they somehow get to the to the ground i do not i do not remember if woodley uh was on the cage and ever since they took him down i do not remember that but but i do remember is wood is a uh, Vicente locking up this Dars, and you hear Duke Rufus or one of Tyron's coaches, if it wasn't Duke Rufus, yell to Tyron, "This is your move. You know how to get out." And right then, do you know what I started thinking? He's not going to get out of this. It's not a coach's job to tell a fighter, "Hey, you know what to do to get out of this." It's a coach's job to tell a fighter how to get out of something, how to maneuver out of something, how to relinquish that position, how to relieve their self. So that's a lot of confidence. And I get it. Tyron might be a black belt, but that's a lot of confidence that you get to your fighter right there in the middle of a, you know, a make or break fight. And you're telling him, oh, yeah. Oh, you're good. Oh, you know what to do. So just do it. Obviously, he did not know what to do. Vicente Luque ties up the submission. Beautiful Dars. Tyron has no choice but to tap. Pitiful. Sad to see Tyron go out by one of his own moves. You know, I mean, that's what he put Darren Till to sleep with, a Dars. And and after that moment right there, he got his black belt. So to see Vicente Luque put an end to Tyron's career like that, crazy. Absolutely insane. To see Tyron on those on those wobbly legs, insane. To see Tyron come out the gate swinging, insane. It was it was a good command event, and uh, and all respect to Woodley. You know, if he does not resign, and he this is where you get into two two lanes. Either Woodley goes for for uh, test free agency, and he's gonna go and he's gonna go do some immaculate stuff against some 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 lesser opposition, or. He's falling out of love with the game, and he needs to hang him up. Woodley is in a place where he can afford to hang him up, I believe. I believe Tyron Woodley made good money as a champ. Um, he has many different lanes and avenues to get money, um, and he's kind of a star. You know, uh, whether whether people want to admit that or not, Tyron Woodley in America is a star. You know what I mean? He can go do anything off the namesake of his name. So I respect to Tyron. Man, We that was crazy. That was really crazy, but... All respect to Vicente Luque, tying up that Dars, putting Tyron on wobbly legs, capitalizing on the situation. A beautiful fight. And we are getting into the main event. So let's get into it. You know, when I was thinking about this fight and I was and I was analyzing it, you know, there's two there's two ways you have to take in thinking. And that's advocation for Stipe and advocation for Nganu. So when I think about when I thought about it, I was like, you know. Francis is weighing in the same way that he weighed in the first fight. Stipe weighing, weighing around the same that he weighed in for Daniel. Um, Stipe looking a little bit more leaner and athletic. Hey, but Nganu, Nganu also looked a little different. His his frame, the, the way his core looked compared to the first Stipe fight, there was, there's a difference in the physique. Believe it or not, there is. Um, so that was interesting as well. But, I mean, obviously... Uh, playing into Stipe's favor, I assumed we get we get identically, virtually the same fight. That is what I assumed. I thought we'd be seeing the same fight here. You know, Francis Ngannou goes in here, waving bombs. You know, I've, I look. Francis is not dumb. I did anticipate with this with the with the next fight, Francis would utilize low kicks. You know, try to get Stipe off balance, throw Stipe on the cage, and unload with the bombs. And with that, I figured that the leg kicks would become a a, a big part of his game plan. 
throw Stipe in the cage. Stipe would negate away from those bombs, and uh, and he would shoot on Ngannou, and he would get him down. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think that I think to most people that sounds like that makes sense. And and then when we play a, uh, advocation for Francis before seeing this fight, you have to you have to say this. Okay, well that's one fight. And not every fight is going to go the same way. In fact, you have to assume that Francis is going to take everything from that fight and be like, oh, yeah, I have to do everything in my power not to let this happen ever again. He's going to work on everything. Now, when I sit here and I think about the fight game, when I think about possibly these fighters' attitudes, if if they're caught up in the fame or not, if they're caught up in the money, if they're caught up in and a lot of other stuff, it can be anything. Everyone has vices. Um, I'd assumed, you know, Ngannou will try to do something but the last thing I ever assumed was Francis would sprawl on Stipe. And not only that, take Stipe Miocic down. Wow. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. When I seen that, when I seen Stipe shoot and Francis sprawl on him, I told myself, this is going to be a short fight. Because up until that, we, we had seen Francis also getting the better of Stipe in the striking. Very, 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 very relaxed. So calm. I mean, I don't know if it was a double jab to a to a, a a right or if it was a triple jab up to a right. But, yo, he caught Stipe at the end of one of them bombs. I thought it was over. I thought he was done. So that only plays more to Stipe's chin than, you know, I was surprised Stipe survived that. Um, Stipe shoots in on the ill-advised takedown. Um... And wow, yo, I'm telling you, Francis sprawled on him. When I seen Francis sprawl that big back, when I seen all that muscle on on Stipe, uh, I was like, wow, this could this can end very poorly. Then uh, Francis takes Stipe down. Excuse me, who is this young man? Do do you people know this young man? Because I don't know that young man. You know, um, Francis took Stipe down, and then when he got Stipe's back and started unloading those bombs, I was even more petrified. I was like, oh my god, how is Stipe standing? This is a wrap for Nganu, you know. Um, and in heavyweight, you have to make those assumptions, kind of. You have to assume when it's going in the favor of someone else, there's only two things that's going to happen. The other guy's going to get a sensational comeback counter because of power, or the guy that's already in play and in power and controlling it is going to finish him. You know, these are some big guys, and you can't play play around with power at that at that uh, at that uh, level. You know, comebacks—they're still possible at that level. They're definitely possible. In fact, they're very, very probable. But um, you know, uh, typically at that weight in a small cage like that, when someone has the upper hand, they're going to maintain that upper hand. So um, yeah. Francis sprawls on him, gets his back. Starts throwing bombs. Stipe man- manages to get up. But through this first round, all we've seen from Stipe is some small, some some short-ranged uh, leg kicks from the outside and the inside. You know? And, uh, I mean, I don't I don't remember him touching um, Nganu that many times with the hands. He might have touched Nganu twice with the hands in the first round. But you can definitely tell there was, there was a click. You know, after the first takedown failed, and then Nganu gets your back, and then he lays those kind of hands on you, there's a click. There's a give up. And uh, and no, am I nobody to critique someone's giving up and getting on switch? But you can definitely tell Stipe probably internally felt that his game plan was being negated at a, at a high level. And then we get into the second round. Um, Wow, Nganu with the... With the 
with the rear hand and then the shovel uppercut or the shovel jab. I don't know what you would call that, but it was... <laughs> I did not even know how to react. I did not even know how to react. It looked like it came off the hip. It was so beautiful. It was it was a shot. It was a beautiful shot. Francis drops Stipe with that. Stipe's on the cage. Francis capitalized on it. You know, for, uh, when, he, when, when, when they were in that scenario, Francis threw a short uppercut. I'm not sure if it cleanly hit... Stipe flush, but it nicked him, and and a few other shots as well. And I was really, really like, wow, Francis has has. I'm not sure how he didn't knock him out like that. I'm I'm not sure what Stipe's chin is made out of. He's got a big old head on his shoulders. Um, so Stipe coming off this blitz from Francis, kind of kind of lunges kind of lunges in with that counter right. Uh, the same right that he caught Verdum with, you know, when Verdum is running at him and he catches Verdum with that with that little uh, that little right hand. Um, Francis was rushing him after that counter, and Stipe catches Francis. Stipe caught Francis, but there's but there's something here that matters. It almost did no damage. Now, when you rewatch the fight, when you watch it in real time, it might look like Stipe connects, and Francis goes back, and and he and he wanders back. That is simply just not the case. What happens in this um, in this instance is Stipe catches Francis rushing in with a with with a nice nice um, punch. Instantly, Francis resets his stance, giving off the 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 look, the feel that he's rocked. But no, all all Francis was doing after rushing towards Stipe and getting caught with that. He's readjusting. He's repositioning his feet. And Stipe, in the moment, all he saw was possibly something in Ngannou's face and body that gave him the implication, oh, Francis is compromised now. Let me, um, let me move in on this. Something that really, really helps Francis in this instance is, like I just said, he was moving back to his feet. He was getting his balance back. So now, with Stipe off balance... Assuming that he's compromised Francis, he goes in with a follow-up strike. And he almost, he runs into it. Stipe runs into Francis with the follow-up strike off his counter that, that he thinks he rocks Nganu with. Nganu replants his feet. He gets right. And Stipe rushes in, thinks he's compromised him. Francis' feet being planted like that, be not, not rushing into nothing. Giving that counter shot that he gave, that short left hook, he had power. There was power that was generated with that. And um, and that is what ultimately knocked out Stipe. Um, he, first off, Stipe thought that Francis was compromised. He thought he was rocked. He thought it was over. He thought he was about to take Francis down and finish this. And I think that actually might have been in the Stipe Miocic narrative or game plan to finish Francis this time around to, to, to shut up all the doubters. Um, I don't know if that's the smartest way you want to do with Francis Ngannou, but hey, you're the champion. Um, and uh, yeah, assuming that he had Francis rocked, Francis um, gets in position, steps back, gets his feet right, gets himself planted. Stipe runs right in with the with the with the next shot and a beautiful short left hook by Francis crumbles this man like a tower. I mean, I'm going to be real with you guys. I've been following this game for a long time, but that was uh, a very, very nasty, nasty, nasty fall. You know, that was the worst thing that could have probably happened to Stipe on the realest level. 
I mean, the man, one of the man's legs crumbled behind him. His whole body dropped. I mean, all that weight falling with a person. Sheesh. And then Francis, uh, with the, with the extra shot at the end, I mean, come on. That was heavyweight madness. And now Francis Ngannou is the head, new UFC heavyweight champion of the world. There is so much that can happen for Francis. Um, he's really an anomaly. You know, I love guys like DC, the Stipe's, um, but they're not they're not they're not they're not what you think of when you think of a heavyweight. They're not they're not the the the, the associate of thought that comes with that. You think of a grueling beast. You think of an animal. That's that's what we have come to associate with heavyweight. Um animals straight up killers and we had guys like Dad Stipe and Dad Cormier at the top. Um but that era is gone now. You know, um Is Stipe still the heavyweight goat? For sure. For sure. You know, he's beat JDS, he's beat, uh, you know, Andre Arlovsky. Uh Actually, I do not know if Stipe's actually beat Andre Arlovsky. Let me look that up, because that's not who I meant to say. I actually meant to say Stipe has beat JDS. He has beat... Um, well, I mean, you know, he's beat DC twice. That's crazy. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I meant to say Alistair over Reem. So yeah, Stipe has beat Alistair over Reem, JDS. He's beaten Francis Ngannou. He's beaten Daniel Cormier twice. Um, you know, that's some that's that's some accolades. I'm trying to find. I don't know if Stipe has actually fought Arlovsky. I know Ngannou has fought Arlovsky and killed him. I don't know what they were expecting though. Let's see what we're dealing with here. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Stipe has beat Arlovsky as well. Listen, what I'm getting here is Stipe has beaten a lot of uh, previous guys, older guys. Stipe is undoubtedly, after wrapping up his saga with Daniel twice, he's undoubtedly the heavyweight GOAT. He's the he's the precedent. He's the standard um, in the UFC. Now, I think Francis Ngannou is going to have a scary, scary reign. I've been telling people this for a very long time. Um, with that being said, I actually thought Francis was going to lose. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I thought Francis Ngannou was going to lose to Stipe Miocic. But then again, you know, this is in this game, you always have to know anything can happen. This is mixed martial arts. And when you throw on four-ounce leather gloves with another man in a cage, then anything can happen. And uh, especially with a guy like Francis, you know, he has the kiss of death. He has the ultimate equalizer, which is power. You know, Francis doesn't have to be a technical freak. He doesn't. He has the ultimate playing field. He levels it all out with his with his uh, power. So, look, what does the UFC need to do? Well, I'm going to tell you guys something. Francis is going to be an anomaly for a long time. I'm telling you, we're not going to see anyone beat him for a long time. What we witnessed Saturday was um, was legendary. A technical, so calm, so smooth Francis. So, you know, I don't think anyone beats him. I think Stipe Miocic might have a chance. He needs some time to rest up, though. Stipe Miocic, look, and and I've said that his chin is great, right? But a normal person doesn't take shots like that, come back the same. They just don't. They just don't. That man was was hurting, especially that last follow shot. So he needs to relax with his family, take some time. DC is not coming back. So who do we have for the young Francis Ngannou? Well, I'm telling y'all, Francis Ngannou is an animal. He's an anomaly. He's going to be a, 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 a hit with the casual people, the casual fans, or people that don't know a lot about fighting and combat. They're trying to get into it. Um, and if any, and if, and if, if commoners have any 
you know, if they know who John Jones is and they see John Jones going against this freak of a monster, it's like a movie. I'm telling you guys, this it will it will be like a movie this summer. If the UFC can get Francis Ngannou and John Jones for that heavyweight title in the summertime when it is hot outside and and fans are back, then um I'm telling y'all, we might see something crazy here. We might truthfully see something crazy. I honestly see no one intimidating or even competing with Ngannou's reign. Um I think John Jones gets beat. I think he leaves himself out for strikes a little too much, a little too cleanly. I think he could utilize a teep to the knee or or um, some nice low kicks chopping at Francis' legs. But listen, his kicks can't go together with Francis' kicks. His chin doesn't hold up to Francis. They have the same reach. His power, nothing to Francis. I mean, when you look at it, everything suggests that everything is in Francis' playing field. Even the wrestling. Even the wrestling. Even the wrestling. But why? Because Francis is an anomaly. And if John tries to shoot on him, he's going to sprawl. He's going to he's gonna get John on that cage. He's he's going to do something. Because what we've just seen with Steven Miocic and him working with Kamaru Usman, you have to assume these skills are only going to get sharper. I mean, Francis has said it himself. So I see no one, no one, for a very long time threatening that, that throne that Francis sits on. I think he beats John Jones. I think that... Derek Lewis has one shot out of hell. Derek Lewis has one shot out of hell. And as I said earlier, this is mixed martial arts. Anything can happen. Francis could totally get knocked out by Derek Lewis in the first round. I would not be surprised. But that's not what I'm expecting. So, um, you know, I also think Volkov does not stand a chance. A lot of people like to talk about Cyril Gane. I think Cyril Gane has um, the, the stature to compete with Francis. I really think he does. There's just... There's just something missing. And 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 a lot of people like to say, oh, well, what Francis did the Rosen strike, he never done to no one, and he probably will never do it again. Look, I'm going to tell you all, that's just the asset of his game now. Now we know that there's multiple levels of Francis we can come to expect. A composed Francis, a very patient Francis, or a Francis that goes out there out the gate trying to rip your head off. And against lesser competition, he will do that. Oh, I have no, I have no doubt that against lesser competition, Francis will just eat them up. Spit them, chew them, kill them. R.I.P. You know what I mean? You know, it's going to take a very, very skilled individual. And I don't see no one. I don't really see anyone for a long time. We're going to witness something that that has not been witnessed in combat sports for a long time. And that's a a freak champ that has uh, a reign that is just hell. That's what Francis Ngannou's reign is going to be, hell. You know, Khabib was very graceful. Khabib, he, he, he gets these guys down. He smashes them. He suffocates them. He, he fatigues them. It's really beautiful what Khabib does, his technique. You know, um, and, and, and he left a beautiful legacy. You know, um, people can't compete with that. But this Francis Ngannou, this new guy, this new man that we've seen Saturday, forget about it. No one's going to touch this guy for a long time. And uh, and that really uh, wraps up all my thoughts on this event, everybody. So I thank you guys so much for, for being here, enjoying this. Um, shout out to everybody. You know, there will be more episodes coming, obviously. This is the first. This is one of one. This is a special edition. Much love to all my supporters, my followers. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave a comment. Um, 
And I have to say thank you to everyone for participating in this. You know what I mean? Uh, enjoying the love of this game. And I cannot wait for the next episode. So stay tuned. We have so much more to talk about. Offendi MMA, your host, Christian Omar, out for the evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you.